Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. It's impossible to get on social media right now and not immediately find out about how Jets fans feel regarding Aaron Rodgers and the impending trade with the Green Bay Packers. The question is, what about the other side of this? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. And obviously, friend of the show. Great dude. Mark Tauscher, former Packers tackle, co-host of Wildey and Tausch. He was on Canny and Carlin yesterday, and he said this interesting nugget about how Aaron Rodgers could try to force the Packers' hand. I just keep asking, what on earth are the Green Bay Packers going to do? They're, they've decided to move forward with Jordan Love. What are they going to do if Aaron Rodgers shows up to minicamp or to OTAs in May? Uh, for everybody that says, well, put, put him as a backup. Yeah, you're going to have a $60 million backup. How is that going to help with the Jordan Love development? How is that going to help with your team chemistry? We saw that. I, was, I lived it when Brett Favre came back. It is a huge distract, distraction. Coaches don't want that. Now, we asked Mike Tannenbaum earlier. He didn't seem to have a problem with it. But if we can create some sort of a divide in a locker room on this show, we're going to do it. So now Jason Wildy, co-host of Wildy and Tausch, the other side of this, joins us. He just got off air on ESPN Wisconsin. Now automatically we're throwing him to the Wolves. Uh, defend your co-host, good sir, and his thought on this. Well, I don't have to defend him because he stole my stick. <laughs> I'm to take it to you guys in a national audience. <laughs> so, so here's here's the thing. And Tausch is Tausch is exactly right, and not just because he's stealing my material. So, uh, and I have a rule. Um, I have a lot of history with Aaron Rodgers, as you guys know. Uh, he and I, before there was the Pat McAfee show, there was Tuesdays with Aaron on ESPN Wisconsin from 11 through 14, so four years. And so he and I, you know, we've had our ups and downs at times. We have a, a, we've had a great relationship for the last 18 years. Uh, I, I always try to admit my bias. I don't think that I've ever given him a pass on anything, but I do like him, and we do have a lot of history. And I, I try not to – one of my rules is uh, he has never told me to lose his number, which I'm thankful for. <laughs> I do not tell people – the uh, half of our text exchanges that he tells me, but I sometimes will share what I text to him. And I'll be honest with you, from a story perspective and from a fascinating, intrigue, subterfuge perspective, I totally want him to call their bluff. And I said that Mm. to him. I want to see you as a $60 million backup. I do, because... There's, there's a, a large group of people in the media, and, and I'm not here to judge anybody else's work, just like I don't want people talking smack about how I do my job. I think I do it pretty well, but not always. But there seems to be this large group of people that think that the Packers hold all of the leverage, and I just don't agree with them. And it's because of the structure of the contract, guys. So the, the, this option bonus, which is not something we see very often in the league, the, the payment window for the Packers, they have to pay it between tomorrow, March 17th, and week one of the regular season. Okay, so it is, to some degree, a ticking time bomb. Now, we know that the Jets want Rodgers as soon as possible. 
And with an owner like Woody Johnson who wants to win the back page of the tabloid newspapers in New York and hasn't been to the playoffs since 2010, I mean, you think Packers fans are frustrated without being to a Super Bowl since they won it in 2010. Try not going to the playoffs in that long. That might be part of the Packers' hope, is that an owner who is desperate to win and desperate to have a star quarterback is going to give in and give you a first-round pick like you want. But I think this contract puts them in a really difficult spot, and Tausch's point is right on because I was there as a reporter and Tausch was there as a player in 2008 when Brett Favre flew in on family night, which is supposed to be like – it's an intra-squad scrimmage. It's supposed to be like a pep rally, a celebration of being a Packers fan. And there were Packers fans booing Aaron Rodgers in a game between the Packers and the Packers. It's the only time I've ever seen the Packers lose on family night because wow. Brett Favre flew in. They wouldn't let him in the locker room. He had to go sit up in his suite at Lambeau Field. And it was a complete cluster you-know-what. And Rodgers, because of the contract, can create that both in terms of what's happening at Lambeau Field and him coming to OTAs or coming to the offseason. And the great irony is that he wouldn't come to the offseason program when he was the starter, but now he might. But the biggest thing is the contract, if they have to pay it, if we get to the point of him still being somehow on the roster as the season approaches, and then they try to move on from him, they're stuck. Because if they try to cut him after they've paid the option bonus, it is $75 million of a cap hit in dead cap money in 2023. And then another like 24 in 2024. They, they can't do it. And so that is going to hang over this. And unless Woody Johnson and the Jets, and if I'm Joe Douglas and I'm Aaron Rodgers, I'm saying, no, no, just be patient. Woody, I know you want me to be your quarterback. I want to be your quarterback. we got to wait him out a little bit because I don't want you to give up the 13th overall pick. I want you to be able to use that to add to our team, and I want to be part of it. So that that is the part of this that I wish more people were talking about instead of just Tausch talking to you guys. Yeah, and, and I would say this, Jason. When it comes to focus, right, and if you're a head coach, you, you want your team focused. You don't want your players, especially your quarterback, and Jordan Love, who you're, who you're looking to be, you know, one of your leaders moving forward, to have to be answering questions every single day about Aaron Rodgers. You don't want your young receivers who started to make progression towards the middle and end of the season to have to answer questions about Aaron Rodgers. You don't want your defensive players, in which they struggled early on in 2022, but started to come into their own late into the season, to have to answer questions about Aaron Rodgers. See, I played the Green Bay Packers in 2008. That was my rookie year, right? They went 6-10 and 10 that year. And mm-hmm. some things were just a little off. You don't, you don't want any of those distractions coming into the season, especially a training camp or anything like that, because you want everyone zero-focused in because y'all just lost a game to go into the playoffs. So you want everything to be mm-hmm. fresh and free, but how is that possible if Aaron Rodgers is still lingering on and hanging on? Yeah, and, and, and you know, Tausch obviously experienced it, but it was like there was a documentary done on it called The Last Day at Lambeau. It was, uh, it's really well done. I think you can find it on like uh, Vimeo or YouTube or something, but it's, I mean, it was a crazy place. Now, I would argue that Aaron Rodgers, as enough people that are tired of him, 
that it wouldn't be the same division that we saw where it was really 50-50, people cheering for Favre and people cheering for the Packers. But it still would be, you're exactly right, a huge distraction. And I know, you know, I, I, I love Mike Tannenbaum. I think he's extremely insightful. We've had him on our show. He's the only one, until Joe Douglas makes this trade, who can say that he's done what the, what the Jets are trying to do, which is trade for a future Hall of Fame quarterback from the Packers. But the distraction level that they experienced during the summer of 2008, uh, I, I would challenge you to find many times in history of the NFL that there's been more of a quagmire created by a star player and a team that didn't want him anymore. And we are hurtling toward that same thing this time around. We're talking to Jason Wildy, co-host of Wildy and Tausch on ESPN Radio. It's Fitz and Harry, Jason Fitz, Harry Douglas. So I'm going to make you the moderator in these situations. Not the moderator, the mediator. Sorry, my bad. I'm going to make you the mediator. We all walk in the room. You got Aaron Rodgers on one side. You got the Packers on the other side. What's the fair and reasonable deal in your mind that should get this done? Yeah, so I, I, I reached out to, you know, I've done this for a long time, Jason. I have been lucky enough to get to know a lot of guys throughout the league. I try not to do this often, but I did. I texted four different NFL executives uh, who I have some history with and who I trust their opinions. And I asked them, if you were Goody, what is realistic to ask for? And we've seen reporting. I think uh, Pro Football Talk said that Goody is still asking for a first-round pick plus more. And one of the one of the executives who's been a GM in the league responded by saying that if the Packers are willing to eat some of the contract, that he can get a second round pick for Rodgers. If the Packers continue to refuse to take some of the money that's existing on the contract, he can get a third round pick. And I wonder if Goody at this point is expecting more than is realistic. I, and if he proves me wrong and Woody Johnson is just too eager to get Aaron Rodgers and they give that up, then I will admit that I was wrong. I'll come back and talk to you guys, and you know, Tausch will be able to say, you were wrong, ha-ha. But <laughs> I really do think that that's a pretty good idea of what a, reg- a real GM would realistically expect given all the other things that are going on here with Rodgers. The problem here, to me anyway, is, yes, the Jets and the Rodgers clearly want to be together, but the Jets can still find other quarterback alternatives. They're not just stuck mm-hmm. with Zach Wilson. And so I, I just don't see the Packers as having as much leverage as maybe some other people think they have. Wildy, you have made me smarter in this interview, and I don't say that lightly. Like This has been really insightful for both of us. I really appreciate it. I know you have a busy day, and you get tired of talking about the same stuff over and over again. Thanks, man. I genuinely appreciate you coming on and giving us this insight. You guys, absolutely anytime. I appreciate you guys every time you reach out to me. So let me know when you want me on, you know, tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Jason Wildy, co-host of Wildy and Tausch on ESPN Radio. Uh, Look, Wildy just said something that has completely changed my opinion on the leverage in this. I'll tell you what it is. Plus, one team that did acquire a new quarterback this weekend or this week and one expert that says that could lead to a playoff berth. We'll tell you about it. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
I made it clear that my intention was to play and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. Do you envision yourself playing multiple years with the Jets or is it just a one-year type thing? If I'm Green Bay and I'm sitting around, you offer me a third or a contingent or a fifth. And if they have no leverage, that's all you should offer. If you're offering me that, I'm telling you to go to hell. If the Jets don't get Aaron Rodgers, who are they turning to right now? Be adults, settle it clearly, keep the kids in mind, and move on. One thing I think Harry and I take pride in with this show is trying to get as much information and nuance as possible in conversations. So certainly, as much as you've heard about Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets over the last 24 hours, who has the leverage has been such an important conversation across every show, on TV, on radio. Every once in a while, a guest comes on and clearly explains it in a way that absolutely changes your mindset, and that's what just happened. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Jason Wildy just joined us. Now, uh, Wildy obviously works uh, ESPN Wisconsin. You can check him out. Wildy and Tausch, there all the time. As he was talking about leverage, he had a contract breakdown that I've looked at over the cap. I've looked at SpotTrack. I've looked at all the same sites that you guys have looked at. He had a contract breakdown that very clearly points out something we have not considered enough when it comes to who has the leverage in it, when it comes to what the guaranteed money looks like for Aaron Rodgers from the Packers. This is what he said. The biggest thing is the contract, if they have to pay it, if we get to the point of him still being somehow on the roster as the season approaches, and then they try to move on from him, they're stuck. Because if they try to cut him after they've paid the option bonus, it is $75 million of a cap hit in dead cap money in 2023, and then another like twenty-four in 2024. I keep saying, well, oh, there's no way goodness. they can just let him come back and, and fine if that's what they have to do. When you factor in that guarantee, $75 million dead cap hit if they have to trade him after they pay that bonus, that changes everything, Harry. Like, absolutely, I have changed my tune. The Jets have the leverage here. Well, you say it changes everything, and I'm going to go to a Kodak line. I hope so. <laughs> it, it better change everything. That's a hell of a cap hit. For a guy that you, you're not talking about playing and being on your like, you know what I'm saying, like being your starting quarterback. You don't don't you got to hit reverse at that point and say, you know what, Aaron Rodgers, I'm starting quarterback again. But you don't want to get to that point. You want to try to, you know, you you want to try to get this thing done so you're not in a situation to where you're vulnerable from all angles. Well, and and I asked Packers. Uh, I asked I asked him what he thought fair mark fair value would be in a trade. And he said somewhere around a second or third round pick. That speaks to how little for someone that covers the team, that Man. knows the team. When you're talking about that, that speaks to how little leverage the Packers really have. And it changes my entire mindset on it. That's not uh, Harry and I throwing hot takes around. That's an actual true informed person here with Jason Wildy giving us contract specifics that wildly changed the way I see this puzzle. Well, and I love the fact that he reached out to people that he knows in the National Football League in front office positions different guys to see where their mindset is and what they think on the situation and how they would probably approach it, right? So I think that's very valuable in this situation as well because if there's three to five people that feel that same way, how, what make the Packers think they're going to get two first-round draft picks for Aaron Rodgers? I, 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 like, what world, what world are they living in? I am, I am shooketh. 
uh, with this information for all the stuff that we... This is the weirdest thing about Aaron Rodgers, Aaron. We've been talking about this repeatedly. feels like every day we get a new nuanced detail that we just didn't have before. And I don't know if I need to ask better questions of me, but like you look at these situations, it's like, man, that totally changes the way I see it. Uh, we'll continue to break it down, and I want to very loudly and publicly again say thank you to Jason Wildy for coming on with us and giving us that insight because it, it changes everything. In the meantime... 75. Oh, my goodness. See, that's a nuanced take, but now it's time to play some good take, hot take. Is it a good take? That's good. Great. Or a hot take? How hot? Red hot. Find out now with Fitz and Harry. All right, Harry, you know the drill. We'll play some of our peers' takes. We'll decide if they're good or bad. Let's start with Chris Candy yesterday on Candy and Carlin when he talked about the Rams and what they should do this season for next year's draft. Go ahead and tank. Next year, there's a nice crop of quarterbacks that's headlined with Drake May and Caleb Williams, who's in the Rams' backyard at USC. Go ahead and stink up the joint and revel in the fact that you were able to get it done, you kept Sean McVay around, and you trust him that he's going to be able to rebuild this team in tandem with Les Snead. I'm going to go hot take. And the reason why I'm going to go hot take is because of this. We don't know if Sean McVay is going to be around. Right? We We heard the rumblings not too long ago, a few years ago, about Sean McVay dabbling with Amazon and, you know, being a broadcaster on Thursday Night Football, that whole nine. So how do we know that Sean McVay is going to be around for the duration if they hypothetically do tank and get one of these quarterbacks? How do we know he's going to stay around for that? We don't. And also, Caleb Williams can't fill a stadium in L.A. for USC. He won't fill a stadium in L.A. for the Rams if they stink. Stinking will make them irrelevant. I I think it's a smart football strategy. I think it's a hot take, though, in that particular market. you got to keep that stuff in, in mind. As we look at all of it, we'll continue going with good take, hot take. I think Evan put this on the screen just to make me mad. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider, said this on Candy and Carlin about the Raiders ceiling with Jimmy G. They can make the playoffs. You know, they were in nine one-score games a year ago, and Jimmy G's 40-17 and 17 as a starter, led the NFL over the last three years at 8.3 yards per attempt. I'm a big Jimmy G fan. I think he'll do great with Josh Daniels. Evan just asked me, why did it make you mad? I thought it would make you happy. Evan, it makes me mad because I realized that I like Mike Tannenbaum a lot, and I hate it when he has a hot take that's wrong, but the Raiders aren't a playoff team. I mean, when you look around at the playoffs, you start talking about the number of teams. Like, there's only going to be one division winner in the AFC East, so that means the other two teams that are actually good in that division are going to be sitting around saying, hello, the Steelers had a down year and still almost made the playoffs, right? Like, I'm going up and down the list, not to mention the Chargers. There are just too many good teams ahead of the Raiders, even if things break their way. They're a 7-8 win team that will miss the playoffs. Jacksonville. So I think this is a hot take. All of a sudden, you know, did we forget that Jimmy Garoppolo needs a defense? Oh, yeah. On top of people around him? I think we forgot that. What are the Raiders lacking? (sighs) Defense. Defense. They're they're lacking defense. So this is a hot take in my eyes. Uh, One more quick one here. Orlovsky says he washes his towels after 30 uses. Good take or hot take? Bro, that is a hot take. There's nothing good about that. I, I don't care. I don't care what you're about to say. You're about to say you're clean and you, you dry off and your towel, you just hang dry. So what? I mean, you're right, though. Like, my, my, my no-nos are squeaky clean when I get out of the shower. Why do I, like, my towel's not getting dirty if I did my job in the shower. My towel's just getting wet. And all I got to do is hang co- my clean, wet towel out for it to dry. 
What color towels do you use? Uh, well, you know, I have many Just colors. Just ask him a question. I got, color, I got multi, uh, several different colors, but my favorite one is like a big, huge, soft, fluffy brown towel. Okay. So use a white towel and, and let me know what you think about that when you dry off. I mean, you just need to scrub harder. That's all I'm hearing. No, no, no. I'm not saying it. Okay. I, I, for me, I'm just saying you use a white towel because all my towels are white. And that's how I know when I'm really, really am clean. When how I dry I feel off about and the nothing fact goes that, on the towel. What am I supposed to do with the fact that you use a white towel and I use a chocolate one? I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. Ooh. Okay, you like a little chocolate. We're okay, bringing thanks. Ebony and Ivory I knew to you, our home I lives. knew you had it in you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's some good take, hot take. Uh, I'll save the show from getting us fired. In the meantime, we're going to get you caught up on everything you need to know about the games in action right now, plus what you need to know for the games that are upcoming with one of my favorite experts next, breaking down everything you need to know about March Madness, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. I'm Christine Lisi, breaking news. Mets closer Edwin Diaz, considered the best closer in baseball, expected to miss the season with a torn patellar tendon in his right knee, was hurt during an on-field celebration at the World Baseball Classic. Recovery time from patellar tendon surgery, typically eight months. A day after Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers announced he intends to play for the New York Jets in 2023, ESPN's Adam Schefter reports the teams are not close to agreeing on a trade for Rodgers. The holdup, Green Bay stance on appropriate compensation. First day, first round NCAA tournament, the four seed in the South reason Virginia getting all it can handle from 13 seed Furman. Cavaliers down 57-54, four minutes remaining in regulation. Maryland leading West Virginia 66-61, 1-15 left second half. Missouri up 33-29 on Utah State first half. Also first half, Kansas leading Howard 29-27. You're watching the ESPN Tournament Challenge Marathon. Download the Tournament Challenge app and fill out your women's brackets now. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I'm Jason Fitz hanging out with Harry Douglas. And we're going to get you to the Boost Mobile Tournament Preview. Again, as you may have just heard... Maryland up 66-62 on West Virginia with a little over a minute to go in that one. We will keep you updated as we go. And then the annual tradition that is known as Virginia making their fan bases pucker up. Fourth seeded Virginia is now losing to 13th seeded Furman, 57-54. Also, in the 7-10 matchup, we have Missouri beating Utah State, 35-31. And then in a game that's surprisingly close early on, Kansas, without Bill Self, again, uh, standing on the court. Uh, Kansas, the one seed, is up by two over Howard, the 16 seed, 29-27. Also, I failed by not pressing this little sound, so I'm going to do it now. Madness update. Yeah. All right. I just had to get that out of my system. Let's grow the wolf back by one. Tonight, he'll be my side piece. Right now, he's our guest. King McClure, ESPN college basketball analyst. King, nobody's ever introduced you like that, my friend. Admit it. Uh, (laughs) In case you weren't listening earlier, there can never be another Harry Douglas in my life. But I was pointing out that if I'm going to work with a player, I'm going to let that player be the strength. So I mean side piece in in the most complimentary way possible now that I've made everybody 
uncomfortable. So uh, thanks for hanging out with us, brother. Uh, early on, we've got Virginia losing to Furman, the annual tradition. Anything surprising you in that? Man, not at all. I don't know why I didn't pick Furman over Virginia. Knowing that the way that Virginia plays basketball, how slow they play at the tempo, they're, they're easy to get. They're very susceptible, especially in games like this, because a lot of teams that they play when they're a higher seed and you're playing against a lower seed of team, they tend to favor to speed the ball up, and, and you're, they're easy to get. So I don't know why I didn't pick Furman over Virginia, but Jalen Slauson has been the best player on this court for Furman. And I got to ask you about Howard versus Kansas. We know Bill Self is not on the sidelines. Do you think they're having a little bit of a, a trouble because their leader and their head coach isn't out there right now? You know, you, you can say that, but, you know, when, in, in the uh, Big 12 tournament, he wasn't there either. And, and I think the first two games, they looked really dominant. The championship game, they lost by 20 to Texas. But I think that was more so due to the fact that Kevin McCullough didn't play than Bill Self. And for me, I feel like there's multiple ways you can look at this as a player. It's A, you can look at it as our coach isn't here, what do we do? Or B, our coach isn't here because he is ill or he is going through something. Let's win this game for him and let's be extra motivated. So, I mean, right now I haven't really watched the Kansas game because I expected them to win by a large margin. And on my TV and my laptop, I have West Virginia on the TV and Furman on the, on my laptop. But I, I'm shocked to, to, to see the game being so close. But I'm sure Kansas will pull away and look like the Kansas that everybody expects. We're talking to King McClure, ESPN college basketball analyst. And for any of you guys that don't know, King had an incredibly successful career at Baylor. Uh, obviously, you know this tournament really well. You you live, eat, and breathe college basketball, man. And I'm I'm watching a year where I just I don't know what to make of it. I don't know if there were any great teams. It feels like there's a yeah but to a lot of these teams. Uh, As I was filling out my bracket, I felt like I could make a case for a two-seed or a three-seed or a four-seed. When you look at the the landscape of college basketball this year, who stood out as the dominant force that you can actually count on going into the tournament? Yeah, I think this is a a year that it was kind of abnormal because I don't know if we necessarily had one. I think at times, you know, the year of the, the bubble tournament, Baylor and Gonzaga were head and shoulders above everybody else. Uh, last year, Kansas was pretty much one of the favorites, a favorite to win the tournament last year. And at times, they looked like they were head and shoulders above everybody else, them and Gonzaga. Uh, so it, it's really hard to, to say who's, who stands out. And, and this is one of the first years that I can remember in a, in a while that I think there's about 10 – teams that if you told me at the end of this tournament will win it all, I would not be surprised. And No, go ahead, King. Oh, and Alabama kind of, if I had to say one team, Alabama kind of separated themselves a little bit, um, but I don't know if they're on that level to where I can say, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm picking them all the way. I'm just, if I had to guess, they would probably be the best team in the country, but nobody has separated or distinguished themselves. And that, that's what I was going to ask you about, Alabama, because they're coming up in about seven or eight minutes on CBS. What makes you think that Alabama, across the landscape, what will make you think they wouldn't win it? Um, for me, 
Dallas made a great point of the day. We were on a show, and he made a point of all of the extra outside noise. Because when you're playing in the SEC, you're playing at home, you can kind of control the media. But when you go to neutral sites that you've never been to before, and the deeper you make it, the media is no longer in your control. So the outside noises for me would be the reason why they don't win it. Uh, but they have every single thing that you need in order to be successful. I mean, they have an NBA top three draft pick. They have two great guards in Sears and Quinterly who can erupt for 20-plus any night. And down low, they have Clowney, who will be a first-round draft pick, who is just a rim protector. I mean, they have every single piece that you need in order to be successful in the tournament. You know, when you mention guard play, it makes me think, I heard Dallin the other day talking about Purdue, saying he doesn't trust him in the tournament because they simply don't have the guard play. Uh, is that just a, a shot game for everybody in March Madness where, like, hey, take a shot every time somebody talks about guard play? Or do you still need elite guards to win the title? You need elite guards to win the title, in my opinion. And I think that when you try to throw the ball into the post and that's your primary offense, I don't think that leads to success in March because simply with the way the game is played, your guards have to be late shot clock guys. At the end of a shot clock, 10 seconds to go, you have to be able to have guys who can just go get you a bucket and create offense without a set play being called for them. And I don't think Purdue has enough of those guys in order to be successful. I mean, throwing the ball in the Zach Eady, Zach Eady's dominant. He's 7'4", that's what he does. He's going to score over most people. But he's not a late shot clock guy, and they don't have enough of those guys. And we've also seen with Purdue, there's been times this year you can speed up their guards and cause them to create turnovers. So I don't think that they will be successful. And I honestly have them losing in the second round to either a Memphis or FAU who has elite shot clock guards. Oh, that makes me feel good because I took Memphis to win in that second round, too. So look at this. I'm as smart as King McClellan. No, I'm not as smart as King. Uh, King's going to be hanging out with me and Christine Williamson tonight uh, from 7 to 9 p.m. across all digital platforms. You can hang out with us for the basketball bonanza. King, can't wait to see you tonight, brother. Travel safe. Thanks for hanging out with us. For sure, man. Can't wait to do it tonight. Switch to Boost Mobile for the power to save on one of America's largest 5G networks. Coming up. One thing we learned in the last three hours has completely changed my opinion on why the Packers need to trade Aaron Rodgers right now. We'll tell you what it is next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The first week of free agency has brought tons of breaking moves, including my favorite move, Jimmy G to my beloved Raiders. Breaking moves brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to LinkedIn.com slash sports. and Harry, the podcast. One, two, three. 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 Three is a magic move. The biggest thing is the contract, if they have to pay it, if we get to the point of him still being somehow on the roster as the season approaches, and then they try to move on from him, they're stuck. Because if they try to cut him after they've paid the option bonus, it is $75 million of a cap hit in dead cap money in 2023, and then another like 24 in 2024. Three hours later.
Two things I say frequently. Never let facts get in the way of a good story. I say that jokingly. And always be willing to admit when you've changed your mind. I say that seriously. Jason Wildey from Wildey and Tausch in ESPN uh, Milwaukee, ESPN Wisconsin today. He changed my mind. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. You just heard it there. The dead cap consequence is substantial. We'll explain why in a second, but first, of course, I have to do this. Madness update. One more time. So much Madness fun. update. All right, we got some finals. Well, we got a final, and uh, fear not, at least our brackets are still all in good shape. As the 8-9 matchup expected to be epic, it was. Maryland, the 8th seed, beats West Virginia 67-65, the 9th seed. Yes! The South region is still intact. Harry, you you are quite happy because your your bracket is still 100%. See, I didn't want my bracket to be busted the very first game that ended today. Well, uh, oh, oh, massive bucket with two seconds left. Furman just hit a huge three-point shot to take a 68-67 lead over Virginia. It's a one-point lead with 2.2 seconds left. Virginia in surrender. Cobra, the players, look shocked at this moment, Harry. This is a huge, long, deep look from three that puts the game on the line at this point for Furman. They take, after getting the turnover, they push the ball up the court, get the deep three for the one-point lead with two seconds left. And you wonder why guard play is so valuable when it comes tournament time. Virginia had the basketball with some seconds left, up two points, turned the the basketball over, and Furman hit a three-pointer to take a one-point lead. Oh, this is a hell of a game. You make a great point. The Virginia guard had put himself too close to the baseline. He had two guys on him, nowhere to go with the basketball, heaved it up in some sort of a Hail Mary attempt to not fall out of bounds with it, and he did that. In the process, Furman gets the turnover, quickly sees the opportunity to push the ball back up the court with one pass, gets a three-pointer, and now we look at a 68-67 lead. The 13th seed Furman team is about to they at least have the one-point lead right now over four-seeded Virginia. Brackets everywhere could be busted by... Virginia, which is like an annual tradition at this point. 2.2 seconds are left. We're going to see if Virginia is able to get a shot up and if they're able to make it. If not, if not, Furman will win this first round matchup. 13 seated Furman versus 4 seated Virginia. Uh, right now, you've got uh, literally someone praying. They are obviously praying uh, in the crowd. Everybody is absolutely in their fields. By the way, while they while we wait for that ball to be inbounded, Kansas, the one seed, is up 48 37 over Howard, the 16 seed. So, uh, important note here on the inbound coming in uh, because they had no timeouts left is from all the way on the other end of the court. They heave a three pointer off, it goes off the rim. Virginia is done. Fourth seed of Virginia has fallen 68-67 to 13th seeded Furman. Tears on the court immediately for players that put everything on the line in this situation. And what has become the annual tradition is I continually joke, Virginia falls and brackets all over the country are already looking around saying, oops. Including mine. All this noise about me needing Maryland to win and Virginia loses and messes up my bracket. Uh, 68-67 is your final there. Also, interesting note here. We are two games in. 
All right, we are two games in, a 4-13 game that we just saw come down to one point, and an 8-9 game between Maryland and Virginia that we saw come down to two points. Also had the opportunity, for West Virginia did, I should say, for the game-winning bucket at the end, wasn't able to get it fall. Missouri is up four on Utah State at the half, 35-31. to uh, We are seeing close games across the board. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility, great pay and benefits? Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Harry, I I think what we're seeing is what we're going to see throughout the tournament close games and, and i'll say this these smaller schools and i hate that I, that i'm saying smaller schools because when it comes to the ncaa tournament time i like to put everybody on the same spectrum but one of the reasons why these 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 larger schools uh these big dogs are having trouble with these these teams is because these small schools have one through five, right? Guard play from forwards to centers that can pass, dribble, and shoot. And so a lot of the times it, it creates these mismatches on the floor, especially when these bigger schools have traditional big men. So that Now they got to come out to the three-point line and guard someone who can shoot the trifecta or who can put it on the floor and go by him or pass very effectively. That's why a lot of these bigger schools struggle with the smaller schools. Well, and there is such a difference when you talk, and, and you know this from your brother playing around it too, like coaching is so different in the tournament getting mm-hmm. ready for these guys quickly is so different in the tournament and uh, when you know we we talked a couple of days ago to a coach asked him about the, the opening round and it became a well we're prepping a little bit for now and we have some coaches prepping for the possibility of a next round everything gets split once you get into the tournament so even some of the small coaching advantages that you can ha- you can have throughout the course of the game simply aren't there and there is a I think substantial pressure element to this too if you're Virginia and you are a, a program that historically has found a way to lose in these moments, there is a here we go again. On the other side, if you're the Furman Paladins, you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, you know what? This is Virginia. Look, at they're doing what Virginia does. Like a Belief matters a lot in these matchups, in my mind. Well, you have to go into it believing that you can win. And I think the history that we had of the NCAA tournament, March Madness, the last 10, I'll say 10 to 15 years, where you have those smaller schools upsetting and getting victories, I think it gives a lot of these schools more hope nowadays, 2023, that they can go in this tournament and have the mindset that, you know what, we can go out here, we can win this game. Why not us? That is such a good point, especially in a world where so many of these guys grow up together in AAU and and travel ball, Mm -hmm. right? Like, a lot of these players know each other. They've seen each other. They know their cousins and brothers. Like, there is familiarity with exactly the skill set of everybody involved in this. Again, Missouri's up by four at the half. That's seventh-seeded Missouri up over 10th-seeded Utah State. I want to make sure you know, too, Howard is now up by 13 uh, as that game goes to the half 50 to or sorry Kansas is up over Howard by 13 50 to 37 that game's about to go to the half Maryland got the two-point win over West Virginia and the shocking upset that the second game of the day gave us Virginia fourth seeded has fallen to Furman 13 seeded 68 to 67 on an incredible finish with 2.2 seconds left on the clock a huge shot that that's what March Madness is all about Harry it's why we all gravitate with our friends and we want to watch and my eyes are going to be glued. Now, I have other interviews I have to do today for the XFL, but while I'm doing those interviews, I'm going to be glued to these two TVs and my laptop the rest of the day. If you watch any of the ESPN social accounts, you can see Basketball Bonanza tonight with me, Christine Williamson, and, of course, King McClure. Keep it right here on ESPN Radio for all the updates all day. You've been listening to the Fitz and Harry Podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And you can watch on the ESPN app.